As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. I am joined live and in person by Scott Powers, who I think I haven't seen since January. Uh, we are at uh, Rocky's Ice House here at Fifth Third Arena. Scott, how you doing? Good, Mark. Good to see you. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of each other this month. All of a sudden that they're being gone the entire well, month of February. I guess in person. I'm trying to think. It's been a while. I was sick, and then we were out of town. And... I've been on the road a lot. I feel like I, 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 the last couple of weeks almost feels like the old old days when I was like really on the beat and gone all the time. Yeah, I've been on the road a lot lately. Like I was well, the St. Louis when I was in St. Louis for the de- oh we did one of the deadline when I, after the when I saw the that was that was remote too. Remote it's been too, a while. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it's good to see you. Hey, hey how you been? Good. How's the family? It seems like you've grown. <laughs> I'm hairier. You've <laughs> <laughs> gone with the beard for. Uh... Yeah, you know, my four-year-old kind of ordered me to grow a beard, and I do whatever she tells me to do. Um, and also, I went to Western Canada, and it's kind of like sprouts as like a self-defense mechanism when you're in Western Canada in February. I've never had a beard in my entire life. No? Can you grow one? I think I probably could. I just, I find it, yeah, annoying. And- I, I, I like it for a little while until you, like, the first sign of, like, a cold, I got to rip that thing right off. Because you ever try to blow your nose with a mustache? I don't know how Joel Quenville's done it for 50 years. I've never had a mustache It's either. disgusting. I've never been much for facial. My brother has a huge beard. He's a Chicago cop, and he uses it for, like, undercover. To be a cop, you have to have a mustache. I think that's federal law. <laughs> this is a state trooper, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I actually, uh, I grew, I grew, the, I grew the, the full beard last year. My 7-year-old dared me to shave everything but have a full, like, 1970s porn mustache, basically. She didn't use the term porn mustache. <laughs> but dared me to go to CVS and, like, buy candy while having a mustache on it. I did it just to prove her that you could do anything. <laughs> Set your mind to it. There you go. 
So the Blackhawks. Hockey. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a month left in the season, believe it or not. What just can we month. talk about that we haven't talked about for the last two months? Like, it's it just – I'm beaten down by the season. <laughs> I'm, I, I realize people want Stan Bowman and Jeremy Carlton fired. I, I realize people are angry and upset, and, and they're all rightful. I just I, I tweeted about Luke Skywalker yesterday and got a, a, a fire stand response. <laughs> that's, that's where the fan base is at Well, right I think now. you're uh, – well, you're, you're – your story about the goalie equipment we got a couple the, in there, wasn't the it? The second comment was <laughs> I, I wrote a whole story about the equipment staff, and the second comment was, "How do we get a new nameplate for the GM?" Sometimes I like to play a little game where I just pull up the latest Blackhawks tweet and then see what the uh, what the replies were. Oh God, I, I, I've always want that's a story I've always wanted to do <laughs> is to talk to social media managers for bad teams because that's got to be just demoralizing. No matter what you do, you're just getting hammered by strangers just. Tearing you a new one, f bombing you up and down, like that's got to be like a like a kind of a tough job. You wouldn't think tweeting would be tough, but that's got to be mentally draining. <laughs> so the Blacklock's last tweet is: "We love any excuse to share this glorious shootout winner again," which is uh, Keynes from, uh, from it was Florida. Great. And the third one is cool. Now fire stand. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it's at. Um, you know. I, we, we, we've, we've addressed this in columns. We've addressed it in podcasts. We addressed it in our Q&A last week. Um, I don't think it's happening. No, John McDonough will speak soon. And yeah. I, if he's speaking now, then I, I assume it's a vote of confidence. Yeah. And, uh, and if Stan's in place, Stan's already given Jeremy a, a vote of confidence. So um, they have – I guess we can talk about this. I, I'd like to talk about the plan, about how – how things are going to improve, and, and it feels like the, the directions changed a little bit for where, where it was uh, getting into the playoffs, and now let's collect assets and, you know, let's get valuable players, and which isn't the wrong approach. It's just, I don't, I don't know, it, just, it feels, it feels time's off, like it should have been a couple of years ago, yeah. and I, I don't think that was the approach this offseason, because they, they went out and got term and you added pieces that are going to be here for multiple years that affected where that was. So I, I don't know if they'll come out and say it, but I think they thought this was going to be a winning team from the start and proved yeah. not to be, and then all of a sudden they had to change the outlook. Because um, I even I had asked Bowman about it, and he said he didn't think that was true. He said they've always tried to balance long-term and, and short-term. And, and I get that, but I, I think there was very much a – direction that was let's get in the playoffs and anything can happen and everyone seemed to be on board and then when they had that horde start that it became let's gain valuable assets and then as they get close to the deadline it was you know it's clear one that they're not a contender right like you're right. 20 20 plus points behind the blues like as much as you're fighting for the last spot you're very far from the top and uh, unless Crawford stands on his head if you get in the playoffs you know they're going to get eliminated pretty quickly so I, I get it at some level but I also feel like this could have been Everything over the last few years could have been done differently. Where there could have been a step back, but it could have been it could have been done just more efficiently, more effectively. You know? Yeah, but the question now is, what can you do about it? I mean, you, hindsight is twenty twenty, and absolutely, this didn't have to be this bad. Yeah. But it is, and how do you get your way out of it? And that's that's the problem. And, and here's here, the Hawks have a built-in excuse this year, just like they did the first year they missed the playoffs when Crawford missed the second half of the season. They could say we lost a top-pairing defenseman in Calvin DeHaan, the, our, probably our biggest off-season addition, and Andrew Shaw, our Swiss Army Knife, 25-goal scorer, middle-six guy that we clearly desperately need. When you look at this team, what do they need? They need a middle-six scorer, right? And so they lost him, and they lost Brent Seabrook, who, say what you will about him, was playing 
perfectly fine when he got hurt. And there's a lot of guys in positions they wouldn't be in otherwise. And imagine if they had this whole team together the way it was originally intended. And I kind of mentioned that to Duncan Keith in, in Florida uh, the other night after the game. I was talking to him, um, and he shot it down. He said, he said, uh, he said, you know, you could talk about that. He says, a lot of talk gets talked about that and that thing and the bounces. But October to December, that's the hole. It's not two games on the road trip. You know, it's not a couple of injuries. Um, and he's right because, as he put it, they had the full team. They were healthy. October that's the problem. Is that like if, when if they you, were healthy, they were bad. I, I'd be more willing to accept that if they were good then. You know, yeah. like when we saw them, because everything was built into the start of the season, right? It was it was Jeremy Carlton's first season. It was a full training camp. It was all, all this, the home games. You're bringing on all these players because they, they went into the offseason trying to win this year. It wasn't designed to to win three years from now. Like it was. It was it was done for now. So when they didn't win early, and in part of it was in part of it, Carlton accepts some blame. Like he has to too because yeah. of that they set up a system that they thought was going to work better defensively. But what it did is it constricted them offensively. So th- there's some blame to be thrown there. Um, but overall, the team wasn't playing well enough when they were healthy. Even when Dehan came back and Shaw. Uh, Shaw wasn't producing, and mm-hmm. um, Seabrook and Mata were. I mean, I was just going through the Corsi numbers today, and they're you know expected goals and all that. And Seabrook's numbers were pretty bad, still, even though he had some better stretches. You know, like the numbers are still very subpar. Like it was, I was looking at uh, expected goals on Natural Statric, and um, under like how many players under 45 percent expected goals, and uh, for the first part of the last 10 years, there were like three or four. And, and over the last two or three years, it's it's like eight or nine or ten. Like it's Boquist and it's right. uh, it's Seabrook, Seabrook multiple times, and it's uh, it was Forsling multiple times, and um, who else has even been out there now? Um, but yeah, just, there was a whole group of them that it was. I, I look at that too, where it's like they went out and dressed the defense and helped in some ways, and, and sort of subtracted too. Like you you brought in similar players and. And even now, like, you take away Eric Gustafson, I, I think you feel it improving slightly defensively, but you're missing a large part of this offense, Certainly. too. I think three of their worst uh, scoring chances uh, games uh, in the last uh, – uh, three of their top six worst are, have come since Gustafson's been on the lineup. So, like, he's affecting them moving the puck, and as much as you can scream out Gustafson defensively, he was helping at least push offense forward. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, like Keith said, like there was such a window where you thought this team was going to be good, and if it was good during that, or at and least then, pretty good, right? Or, or, yeah. or at least competitive. And if they had been good during that stretch, and then those injuries happen and they fall out, then I think you. Well, really the interesting good. thing really is that they're basically in the exact same position they were last year, where they figured something out in about middle of December. Duncan Keith talked about it. They had a meeting, a player meeting, where they talked about it, and they said, "Look, we got to be more resilient. We got to be, you know, we can't just like go into a shell when we fall down a goal." And they've been. I wrote about that this weekend. Is that these guys fight? They keep coming back. They're scrappy. They're likable. Like you, you can almost see it if you squint hard enough that this could be something. If you add Dahan and add Shaw and maybe add Seabrook, and you could see something like that working out. But that's where they were last year, where the second half of the season they started figuring things out. So if you just kind of put a little bit of an ad here and there, maybe they'll be able to do it next year. So they're, But here's a whole year later, and we're saying, well, if you just maybe add a little piece here and there, like, I, I have a feeling that's where so management's at. maybe you're in the playoffs, right? right. Like it's, it's still like I have it. a feeling that's where management's at right now, is they see, all right, well, this second half, aside from like the, the little stretch in February, you know, when things really got bad, this team was playing pretty well. It got itself back into the picture. And they start thinking, well, maybe we're not that far off. Maybe we don't have to do a total rebuild here. And you might just be on this treadmill forever where you're just trying to get good enough just to make the playoffs. And the, the biggest factor with that is they're not going to have Leonard and Crawford next year. I don't know right. what the goaltending is going to look like, but it's not going to be both of those guys. Right. And those guys mask a lot of other deficiencies. So they're big decisions that this management team has to face because 
yeah, on the surface, you're like, well, you know, they're not that far off. But the underlying numbers suggest that they're still very yeah, far Yeah, like off. that was the thing, too. Is like it, there were stretches this year where I thought they played good hockey and they're winning hockey. And two, I think on the other side, DeCalton's credit is that this team, and I think someone had meant one of the sources I talked to said, like, you know, DeCalton's credit, they're in every single game. Yeah. There's very rarely games where they're blown out. Yeah, or this whole idea that the players don't play hard for college yeah. is absurd. If you watch these guys, they're playing their asses off. They're just not good enough. Right, well, that's, and, that, and that's what it comes down to is that the underlying numbers, again, the, you know, the expected goals and the scoring chances and all that, they're very lopsided, again, where they're all – they're nowhere near where this team should They're be. They're overperforming their numbers. For sure, yeah. And, and, and you got, you're going to always have some of that with Kane and Brink and guys who are uh, you know, probably a little bit more, uh, yeah, certainly more offensive players. And I think this way this team structured is a little bit dif- different in the past where you had more two-way players and, and, and now you, you're lacking some offensive defensemen. And, and there's certainly holes. Um, but they need to get to where they were, I think, you know, winning, but also just under, under those underlying numbers do matter to a degree. And I don't know how you do it by bringing back the same group because I, I think they benefited from Seabrook being out. Like it's, I, I think there's reasons why the team has gotten better. And and for him to come back from three surgeries and the, what expectation you have there and adding to Han, Tamada and Seabrook and you know like where's where's Mitchell fit in and right. you know like there's a lot of questions of where guys fit in. Um, because even now, like, Cuckoo's, like, other than picking up the, the penalties and stuff, like, his underlying statistics are good. And Mata's numbers have actually come around, too, where Mata made a lot of sense to buying out, and he may still do it considering where, you know, if Zach Smith's injured and where, where that stands with being able to buy him out. And uh, Mata actually saves you a lot more money. But if, if Mata's actually playing well, like, it also erases what they all did last summer, too. Right. You know, like, you, you, you had this idea that this is the team. This year was a total waste. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I don't know. And... And even drafting in the top six, eight, like all that's great, but not everyone comes through as quickly as Doc or, or Boquist. Or even, you know, even now, like I don't, you know, looking at Boquist's number today, I don't know if he was ready, you know, like. You, no, he shouldn't have been up till next. He should have been coming up right now yeah, like that after they been, traded Gustafson. We talked about the beginning of the year. Yeah. That how was his proper timetable was he makes his NHL debut in February yeah. after they trade Gustafson inevitably. He's. He's been, you know, all things considered, he's been fine. Fine, right, right. But, but I think he could have. Been, I don't know if he's benefited much. Now from you've this burned the year too, right? Like I, I think those financial components matter still. Uh, Doc, I think, deserved to be here and prove that. I, I think Boquist could have benefited for, with working with Andre Sorensen and Rockford and working yeah. with those development guys. And because even now, like, like you see, occasionally you see the offensive brilliance, but you need. Like what we saw at development camp and stuff, like that's that's what's gonna, you know, like we're not seeing any of that because no, he's not trying it. Right, he's like you need you defense. need to figure out how they get that get that out of him because I think you're gonna live with some mistakes and some of the defensive things as long as he's yeah he's you know like he he made some wow moves yeah. in development camp and he's just he's he's not risking it and I think when you see him moving forward and up and even I mean yesterday or the two days ago the past the the Taves the yeah. net, you know like he he can create he can do those things like you need to give him the go to do that. And he, he, him playing, he his presence has also limited Duncan Keith's offensive ability because sure, yeah. he's had to play a much more defensive game than he's. We know that Duncan Keith can provide offense, and he's just not doing it this year until the last few weeks where he's been stepping up a little bit just as he has to. But he has been very consciously making a decision. He's been the guy who hangs back. He's the safety net now, which is not his. That's not maximizing Duncan Keith. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors that you know when you, when you bring in a guy like Boquist, it's not just him. It, it has a ripple effect in the lineup. I think with Stan Bowman's biggest decisions now were one though he had to trade those players and part of it was he had to decide on contracts. So I thought I thought even now we could discuss like where uh, 
you had some sources on Leonard. I thought we could discuss negotiations there. But then it, it's now that you've Leonard that the focus has to become on Kubelik and Strom right. and the number one goalie. And, and you don't have a lot of money, and you certainly have Kajula and even guys further down like Cuckoo guys are RFAs. So you need to distribute this money, and you may buy out someone, you may not. But I think there are pieces there that you need to resign that if, if this is still a long-term plan, they fit in. The goalie issue is interesting because, you know, in theory it's like, oh, well, they traded Leonard, so obviously they're going to keep Crawford. Not necessarily. I mean, yeah, I think that you should probably sign Crawford to like a two-year deal where it's like $4 million a year. I think he wants to stay. He doesn't want to up. He's been with this organization forever. He doesn't want to leave. I think he would take that money. I think that's a fair value, especially considering he's only played half the season really this year. Mm-hmm. As, as great as he's been, and he's been in top form for like six weeks now, I think that's a fair deal. And then you just go out and you, you have Dealey and Lankin and battle it out for the backup yeah. spot. Um, you know, Dealey has taken uh, it's, it's take a step back. No, no, Dealey took it's take actually taking a pretty big step forward. Where early in the season, I I went down to Rock for last one write about it, but he early in the season he was dealing with um, one he thought he was going to be here, and then they added Leonard, yeah. and then his uh, his girlfriend got pregnant, and and so she was back here, and I think they so there's a lot going on okay. for so for the first month his his save percentage and um, and he and he talks about it now like you know like it really affected him, and since then. Um, he's been around 920 or something like that, where he's he's getting two out of three starts in Rockford, and he's actually kept in the playoff race. And Lonkinen's hurt. And it's only a million dollars. He's signed and, for so, two more yeah, years. Yeah, I, I think Lonkinen can certainly play into it. If, but I, if I think you have your goaltending next right year, now. let's say you get Crawford and Delia for a combined five million, you'll have money for Kubalik and Strom that way. Strom Strom's not going to make the five and a half million we were no, projecting no. this year. He's going to be making like three and a half. But even like, right now, I I project like if the cap goes up to 83 million, I, I project them to have about a. Ten to eleven million dollars right now, and that's to go for like it. It, it, it fills, up. and that's also why Leonard probably didn't fit in their financial. Picture. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, let me let me talk about Leonard for a minute here because I, I keep getting questions from from people all over the league and from Hawks fans asking like, how, why, how does, how do they trade Leonard? Are they insane? I think a they don't think they could afford him. Even if even if Leonard was you know willing to take three years, as he said, you know he's not going to take four million. He deserves a lot more than that. Yeah. He's worth more than that. He shouldn't take that. If, and if he was going to take six or seven million, I don't think the Blackhawks can make that work. I think that's just a matter of fact. They can't invest seven or eight million dollars in their goaltending uh, duo next year. Uh, the other thing is, <laughs> Leonard's been talking about a lot about how he kind of got benched. That he was playing. He's, he's you know he he got the team into the playoff picture. You know he won like you know it was like nine out of eleven games or something like that. And he was playing phenomenal. Nobody's denying that he was doing great. Um, then he got hurt, and then Crawford came in and mm-hmm. played. Spectacularly, yeah. he didn't get Leonard didn't get benched. He got beat out. The hot hand took over. That's how it works when you have a tandem like yeah. that. And I think the combination of him losing that number one job, which he thought he had finally gained full control of, combined with the fact that negotiations weren't going as well as he thought, kind of got in his head a little bit. And he's he's pretty much admitted as such. And maybe the Hawks saw that and they think, well, if he can't handle losing the job for a month. And, and, and some stuff going bad. Maybe he's not the long-term answer. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. But I think that he didn't play himself out of the Chicago. He was, uh, by, by all accounts, really, really well-liked in Chicago. He, like, he's a big personality. He takes over a locker room. That's not going to work everywhere. I had concerns with Carolina in that respect. I don't think he fits in Carolina's locker room. But he fit great here, and he played great here. And he deserves all the money and all the turn that, he, that he's owed. But he didn't get benched. He didn't get screwed over by the Blackhawks. I don't I don't see that as being what happened here. I think that he got beat out by a hotter goalie 
an unfortunate time where he got hurt at the wrong time and Crawford just was playing great. Yeah. You can't just sit Crawford when he's sitting you know, nine. I agree, I, but I still think that Leonard was the better long-term player. Oh, no question. He's 28, yeah. and he's been doing it for a long time now. He's a proven commodity. So I wonder if the Black But he's Hawks, also too expensive. For sure. And, and, but that's... Like, it's also, like, almost a little bit of mismanagement of the captain, right? Like of how, course it is. How do you go into last summer knowing that you're, you're signing Leonard? Then you, you have decisions. Obviously, Kubalik succeeded expectations for them. Um, but you got to factor some of that in, too, right? Like, as much term as they put on, like, there had to be a long-term plan to, like, even if this team is successful, like, how do we pay these guys? How do we have enough money? Because I don't, I don't think when they acquired... Well, Leonard wasn't in the plans. It was almost like a flyer. Like, he's just kind of lying around there. He's available. We got $5 yeah. million in cap space. But, but they knew that Crawford was up. And, like, yeah. some of it... Like, I mean, we, we all kind of added two and two. And we like, this makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. if, he, if he plays well, which he did, then you sign him to a long-term extension. Here's your, your number one goal of the future. And... and yeah, I don't. I, so that I was feel, before Kubalik. We knew was going to be making three and a half million next right. year. I mean, but it was also going like into a summer factors. not having a like. You knew that you'd have limited cap spaces. Yeah. So, like, I, I still think that Shaw trade probably is the one that makes the least sense to me. Just because Shaw you, and Mata, yeah. yeah, Mata was early on, so maybe it's like they jumped at this because they thought this guy fit what they wanted PK and defensively. Shaw was at the end of the deadline, and you added four million where it was again it was for term, and Shaw made sense in some ways on on paper and. Um, but I think people were rightfully concerned about his injuries, and then too whether he exceeded expectations last year with with his goals, even or you know yeah. like he, whether he was going to do that. So I don't know. I, I felt like the Shaw contract was just it was uh, it limited what you were going to be able to do in the future. Now now we see that. But you also bit. went out and you got a bunch of injury prone guys, and they all got injured. Yeah, I mean that has sure. to be that's that's not you know. You can't just say, oh, bad luck when it happens all the time to these guys. Yeah. You have to factor this. There's, there's a risk in, in acquiring players like that. And the Dahan one, fine. You gave up literally nothing for Galvin mm-hmm. Dahan. Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling had no place on this franchise. You gave up nothing. That was a but good you, But you, you are dedicating $4.5 right. Which would have been fine if they hadn't already acquired all the Mata. Right, they, right. they jumped the gun. Yeah. They didn't trust themselves to get somebody, so they had a chance to get Mata. And you know, and they and they gave up a good piece for it. Dominic Cahoon could have been what Andrew Shaw was supposed to be this year—that middle six guy who scores. Yeah. Like they they shot themselves in the foot in a lot of ways. They made they did too many things, and and the price you pay is you can't keep Leonard. When you acquire Dahan, Mata, and Shaw with term, you can't keep Leonard. Leonard was almost always going to be a one-year thing unless you were able to somehow get him to take cheap because. He's too good. He's a Vezina finalist last year for a reason. He's one of the best goalies in the league for years now, statistically. You know, I'll, I'll pull this up and you can talk a little bit. But I, someone did, when, when we talked with Bowman in St. Louis, um, he was asked about Crawford even with his concussion issues. Like, well, does that affect um, whether you resign him or not? And the answer was, uh, yeah, no, it, was, it was, let's see. Uh, Want me to vamp here? Because I got nothing to say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it for a second. I mean, like, you, you always have to factor that in. It, it, it's hard because, I mean, Corey Crawford's been durable this year. He's been great. He's been like his old, It's like those concussion years never happened. But at the same time, we all know the science. Once you've been had a major concussion, let alone two of them, you're always going to be more susceptible down the road. So Bowman was asked if Crawford's concussion history was worrying, and he said, Quote said, it's good that he's he's had a good run here this year of strong play and being healthy. I don't know if it's a big thing. It's a factor. If you look down on the ice, I would say most of these guys have had a concussion in their career, some of them this year, and they're still playing. So there's no way to foretell uh, what what's going to happen to a guy's health. Right now, just happy that he's had a successful year. He had a couple of years where 
he didn't make it through the year, but up to, up until that year, he'd been a, a very healthy goalie. So it's not like it's he's been an injury riddled goalie this year. He's gotten through it. It's it's a factor. Is it a big factor? I'm not sure about that. So like, I don't. I felt like he talked in circles, but he it's did. certainly some, does, yeah. it's something that I don't. Like, it is a factor too. Like it's, it should be. He's thirty. He's thirty four, thirty five years old, and he's got a concussion. They they added Robin Leonard because they they thought they were going to be a playoff team, and they were worried about Corey Crawford's health. Mm-hmm. And it's in a year's time that's changed where Crawford's obviously playing very consistently and. He hasn't gotten hurt, but like it, it could happen at any point still. Like it's you know even I mean after he had the first major concussion and then the next year like we didn't know like what how long he'd be out for the second time. So I think in the back of their heads it's it's still something that they're worried about. But it's strange how it's changed a little bit where the Leonard was his insurance and that was such a big part of getting him was that you knew whether Crawford was injured or healthy like you had that one B, and now you've eliminated Leonard and. Um, it, it does change what this team could look like because next year you, you don't know. Like you just you, you don't have that stability. Like Delia could come in and be fine, or, or Lankinen, but there's it's not as much of a certainty as it was this season. Well, that's why you have to. The, the, the possibility still exists out there that neither Leonard nor Crawford is back next mm-hmm. year. You know, go out and get a Cam Ward type of signing. You know, let's look at the UFA goalies here. You got Braden Holtby. He's out there. He's only 30 years old, believe it or not, but he hasn't been himself lately. Yeah, last I few years. Put Too expensive, probably. You know, Craig Anderson, 39 years old, no thanks. Jimmy Howard's 36 years old. Matt Murray, you know, maybe that's a guy you can you can go after. I don't, I don't, th- th- there's goalies to be had out there, but there's none that are like exciting, like Brian Elliott and Mike Smith and Anton Hudobin. You know, they're all in their 30s for the most part. They're all Hudobin's Crawford's age. had a pretty good season, I think. Yeah, he's also 34 years yeah. old, though. I mean, well, I guess that's the thing, too. Like, if there is actually a, a long term plan, like, are they just placeholders for when you're great again? I think, right? I think, yeah, I mean, I think you, you sign Crawford for two years. Um, and maybe he's still good at the two years. Goalies can play well into their late thirties if they, you know, if, yeah. they, if and Crawford's in good shape and everything. But I'm sure their hope is they still have the future number one within, whether it's Delia or Lankin or Tompkins or, or Alexis Gravel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, like I think that's. I mean, I, they, I mean remember, you look at what Columbus that moment doing. where they were traded Ilya Sorokin. Everyone was really excited for that until yeah. it turned out to be a fake. Um, <laughs> yeah, I talked to Sorokin's agent, and he he said it was never likely. Yeah. So. Um, but, I mean, you look at what Columbus is doing with – I mean, they have multiple goalies now that they pull within their own system. And, and everyone steps you, in, throws like six shutouts in a saves, row. <laughs> it saves you a lot of money, too, when you're not having to um, – and, well, and you know, it's also funny about Crawford's contract, is, which was seen when he signed was like, oh, six, six for six. And they got a lot of value a, out of that contract. Steal, yeah. And I that's also well, the going rate for a goal. Well, like, it's funny. I mean, the, the argument has always been in the cap era is that you can't invest too much money in goaltending. That's always been there because you need cheap goaltending. But at the same time, where would the Hawks be this year without no, Leonard yeah. and Crawford? If they had Forsberg and Berube again, they're fighting with the Kings for last place. They're not quite uh, Detroit levels, but they're going to be a really bad team. So you do need – if you're going to play the style of play the Blackhawks play, which they're going to be playing, this is never going to be a Barry Trotz team, you have to have goaltending you can rely on every single night. Yeah. Maybe Dealey is the guy. Maybe – I mean, they, they like him. You know, maybe, maybe Crawford and Dealey can do it. But these are things they have to consider if they're going to go and try to get stop gaps or if they're going to try to still have, you know, high-end elite goaltending. What would you pay Kubelik now? I don't, think, I don't think you have to pay him like an average 30-goal score. It's one season. I think you can get him for two years at like $3.5 million. Yeah, I, think that's, I think that's like tops. Yeah, I, I think three and a half for two years makes a lot of one sense. One year does not make you a $7 million player. That or, you know, when I read that story the other day was – Someone suggested sort of like what uh, Carlson had made with Vegas, where they, they paid him for one year. And Another prove-it contract. Yeah, prove-it. Yeah. Um, but I think two years, it, it gives it gives Kubelik the 
the stability of like even if he got hurt next year or right. something happened, then you get a second year. Three point five, it's a healthy contract. It doesn't kill the Blackhawks. And then and then Strom, I think Strom's gonna get a bridge deal like the Brinkett too. I mean, less 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 AAV, but I I think there's something. Yeah, that's Str- Strom. I mean, Strom's been fine this year. But he hasn't been like the nearly point a game player he was last year, and that actually works to the Hawks' benefit now because you know we were talking last year what what's his next contract going to be like? And we're looking like four and a half, five and a half million dollars. Now you're probably looking at three, three and a half million dollars for a, for a three year contract. That you can work with that. Um, so if you can get, if you can get Stroman, what if you got about Stroman Kubalik both for three and a half? You know, that'd be fair. So it, it gives you seven, and then gives you. Do you think Crawford honestly, signs for honest, four? Honestly, you can get you can get Kubalik for less. I think. I don't think you have to. You know, the only you, thing that you, you don't want a Richard Panic rights, situation, which is slightly the, probably a little bit. Nothing ever gets to arbitration. The Hawks never get to arbitration. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like a 30 goal, 35 goal score, like it, yeah, there might be some. You think he's going to play hardball though after one season like that? I, I, I tend to think that they're going to agree to something in the next few weeks. I, I agree. I, I think it's going to happen quickly, but. Yeah, I, if you get I think it, three and a half is three and a half like, is the. It, it, yeah. I think I think three and a half is the fair market value. If yeah. you get him at three, great. Yeah. You, the concern is that you do a Richard Panic again. Remember the the, the remember that Richard Panic press conference. They offered me two point eight, and they I jumped on it. Two point eight, the very first offer, and I jumped out of it. That's bad <laughs> negotiating. Like you should never, you should never have a player so. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, the, and that you can't be bidding against yourself here. Yeah. You know, Kubalik's not going anywhere. He's an RFA. I started two million, and you start low. Yeah. yeah, it's like buying a house. You don't come in over asking price. If you don't have to, if it's not a, a UFA house, you come in a, a little below it and, and you try and Strom to doesn't have arbitration rights, so there, there's a little bit, you know. And he doesn't have a whole lot to stand on either. He's, he's got he's got a, a, a one good season and one pretty good season. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the numbers, even this year, I mean, they're he's okay. Got, he's, right? in the, he's in like the high 30s in points. He's been he's been fine. Fine, yeah. And he's been doing it despite being in a, in a, in a more limited. He's not the number, that's the other thing you have to factor in is he's not their number two center right now. He's their number three right, right wing. Right. Like, And that's the other thing. Is that like that his, costs his, him money. What being his, a right wing is not as valuable as being a number but two But I don't center. know if that changes either, you know? Like, this is maybe what the Blackhawks foresee him being. Well, know? that's what I'm saying. And that makes him, that make, that, that gives him less leverage in terms of negotiating. I think you can get him for three years at three and a half. I think that's, again, fair market value. Yeah. I think I think both sides would be perfectly content with we that. We should both be GMs and agents. We should be. We're great at everything, aren't we? So easy. Why does everyone have such a tough time with this? Um, and then what do you what do you you're giving Crawford uh, two years? I was thinking like two years of four million. Right. I think he would accept that. I think that's less than he would get on the open right market. Right up the paperwork. I think he would Let's do it. All right. Let's get into some questions here. We'll try. Do you, think, do you think they resign Kajula or Cuckoo? Or? I think you can get Kajula back for like one, two, five, or something like that. I mean, you'd like to have him back. He's he's been a top line player for them. See, I guess this shouldn't is, be. This is the other. He's a ver- valuable versus right. guy. But at some point, like you can't bring everyone back. Well, like, that's like that. That's, like, the, that's issue, the promise yeah. that they're going to. But run what are you going to replace? Are you just going to replace him with some guy out of Rockford? I mean, I don't know what you, if, if. Well, that, and that's also the problem is that no one's really. Like, I don't think they foresee a future for Secure unless he blows them away. No. I think Kurashev has potential, but he's maybe a year Not or so late. Not quite there yet. Uh, they like Hegel, but Hegel's like high more, I think. Max Shalunov. We shall see. If, yeah, if, Shalunov, if it's not this summer, it'll never happen. Like, it's, it's now or never. I so. feel like you said that every summer no, since well, he's, been, he's been on a three-year contract. He's 150 so. years old. Do people know that he's, about him? He's like 27. He's like Benjamin Button. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if he doesn't sign this summer, you'll never hear Shalunov's name. I want, I want to ask you about this because you were there for that, that Stan uh, chat in St. Louis, and I wasn't. Dr. Echo uh, wants to ask, Hockey is dumb, and I try to take every supposed big wave of news with a grain, but Patrick Kane making comments that run so clearly counter to Bowman's at the trade deadline seems striking to me. Are we seeing a new era in Chicago where the stars don't fall in line with management? I, I think 
th- there were there were two separate. You were there, questions. so I don't, I, no, we don't know sure. what the no, tone no, of those. No, no. Were. So the que- the question that came was I brought up. You know, John McDonough has been talking a lot more about the long term future, and you know, it had been a lot more about winning now. Are you on board if this takes a while? You know, and and he said, I think there'll be discussions this summer, and, and we'll see how things go. And and I I think you know this was right after the deadline, so I, I think he was a little frustrated. Um, but also, I think he wants to know where this team's going. Like he, he certainly, uh, he's invested in, in their future. And then, as, and then my follow-up question was, would you like to be, uh, you know, have some input? And, and he goes, yeah, you know, I think that it'd be nice. You know, I, I think us as players know, uh, you know, how teams play. You know, what players are tough to play against. And then Bowman and and I actually didn't ask the question in the evening, but someone else asked Bowman is whether the veterans should have uh, have a say. Like, should should he ask them like what to do and. Um, so it wasn't directly that Kane said this, do right. say this, and and I think that's where it was taken a little bit out of context. And um, I, even the way that I worded, I think in the story was that I think Bowman's willing to talk to players during the summer. I think he gives them some input during the summer. From I think when they talk about coaches or players, I think they they they, they get a little bit of voice during the summer. But um, and, and Bowman's answer was that, and and I think this was also the, like it wasn't it wasn't like the Kane said this. What are you, what's your reaction? It was it was more of a general broader question about, do you want to give you know like will you go to the veterans and talk to them? And 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 he sort of gave the political. I, I think that the answer that you would expect like, you know, my job as general manager is that you know I make the decisions and right. I'm not going to go to them and stuff. And um, I, I think the more it, those comments. That's always the the tricky thing with as, as a writer is especially with quotes, is comments can come across more combative than yeah. this. That's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah, no. And, like, and, and the tone and, and, of Stan. Actually, it's funny because I was... Stone, Stone, and Stan's never combative. Yeah, and, and, I, and I said, and I said, when I was writing it, I actually asked someone, like, I, like, is this fair the way that I put it? Because I don't think... It was exactly... Yeah, and, and, and even I, the reaction was probably a little bit off, too. But I think I think there is some disconnect. And I think, I think Kane... Uh, at least Kane wants to have a say a little bit more than he has. And he, he probably has. should at this point. I, I don't think he's had a lot of say in, well, certainly Panarin or who his center is. And I, I think, it, you know, when you look at him still being able to produce at this level, that he wants to have someone to say, like, who, who are my line mates for the future? How and is he, this going to work? Whether we're a contender in, well, in three years or four I, I years. I remember la- around the same time last year, I was asking Kane about, you know, do you have a say? Do you, do, do you have a dialogue with Jeremy Colleton about who your line mates are? Do you... Have you reached a point in your career where you get to say, you know what, I think I'd be better off with these two guys? Because Kane has always gets, for a decade now, has been saddled with secondary guys because he's so good he can carry those mm-hmm. guys. And that's fine. That's he's great and he still produces. But that's also kind of an unfair burden that he's, he never gets to. He never gets like a. a he never gets to be Leon Dreisaitl to Connor McDavid. He's always got to be, you know, dragging some yeah. corpse up and down the, the ice. There's also an argument and, and, that. But he said, he said, I, I don't. He said, you know, it's it, it's not. It doesn't work that way. And even with a brand new coach who is only three years older than him, he still didn't have that kind of input. And I think you reach a certain point in your career where if I'm a coach or and I'm a GM, I do want these guys in. Yeah. I also want to elevate Patrick Kane. Like, if I'm a GM or a coach, I want to put him with the best players. Because I think elevating Kane, if that means another 15, 20 points, um, and maybe it takes away from the whole team, but I think you're going to get more from the team. You won 50 games in 2016-17 with one line. Right. I, I think, like, even now, like, him and Kubu League, like, the numbers are staggering. Like, it's it, the sample size isn't massive, but it's, it's over 100 minutes now, and they're uh, Kane's numbers and Kubu League's numbers are just astronomical, like, playing together. Like, I... I don't understand why that's not aligned consistently. Like, I, I get balance and all that stuff, and you want to drive it, but I think sometimes your chance to win is just putting your best line out there, and we see a lot of teams do that's, that. That's the way. You, know, you get the Pasternak, uh, Marshawn, Bergeron line. 
you got McDavid and Dreisaitl. Some, uh, you got the, the line in Colorado with Rantanen and um, Landeskog and McKinnon. And Just it's also appeasing your, your favorite, like your top players, right? Like there's something to that to make It's sense. easier to do when you have depth scoring. For sure, yeah. the Hawks don't have a ton of. Yeah. But if you have, say, Kubelik, Taves, and Kane on your top line, which I'm not sure I'm all for that. I like the Saad, Taves, Kubelik line. I think that works. Yeah. Kubelik is perfect for Taves. Um, but I, I think I think Kuba League with Kane is just the way that Kane, Kane's actual goal scoring goes down, but his assists jump up, jump up, yeah. and, and Kuba League's goal scoring go, you know jumps up too when he's with Kane. I just don't know what the rest of the lineup looks at at that point, but it, I, it's, it it's easier be, to load up when you feel confident in your middle six that they can score. I'm not sure the Blackhawks. Yeah. It's also play. it depends on where Doc. Like, they need Doc to be able to take faceoffs. They need to bring it to score more goals. They need, they yeah, need I'm just saying, like if you're looking at centers down the line, like if you're looking. Um, like they need if Doc's going to be a centering at the, you know either the top or second line they need him to take faceoffs to be able to win him, and then you know where Taves fits in with Saad and and all those things too. But um, going back to that Stolman Bowman interview in St. Louis, I thought the more questionable thing was was it was basically he had been asked also like after the season will you talk to these guys about timeline and how long this takes and he goes and he's like you know honestly we don't know how long it's going to take it's going to you know from season for seasons every different and it's sort of like you. you it shouldn't be that way. At some point, like, I, I think a lot of us, you know, before last season, you know, I did that scouting story, like, you know, talking to the scouts and everyone, like, we have the Blackhawks penciled in for last place, and they ended up last place. And I think that was, you know, like, a lot of people said, well, they're better, but there's a chance this can go bad, too. I think a lot of us, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're pretty objective, you and I, and we both have had similar views on this team where, like, this is not going to work last season. All you added was Brandon Manning and, right. and Cam Ward. Um and then even this year, it's like, well, this... This year, I was more optimistic Yeah, this year. It, it could work, but it's also like you're bringing back a lot but of... I, the, I still didn't see it as a contender of any Right, like, you're, you're, like you traded away Yoki Haru. Like, we were like, oh, maybe Nylander works. Maybe maybe Shaw works. You know, Dahan and Mata, maybe. Like, all Leonard, certainly. Almost everything they needed to go right went wrong except for Robin. Yeah, Leonard. but we also were like... I don't think any of us thought it was a contender. So, like, going into next year, I have a pretty good idea that this team isn't going to be great as of it's now. It's going to be similar. Yeah. So like I, you, Everyone wants, like, some kind of, like, dramatic response to this. Stan's going to be back. Jeremy's going to be back. And most of this roster is going to be back. But I also think that maybe the Blackhawks, maybe they are becoming more realistic. But for Stan Bowman to say that, you know, every year is different and we don't know, it's like, well, we sort of did know this wasn't going to work the last few years, and you still this – yeah. this was the plan, and it didn't work. And you probably should have known it didn't work because I think a lot of people – had that similar thought and yeah. so I guess that was more the part that I thought was even sort of questionable was like well what what's the plan like you're adding assets and just rolling a dice that you know you added a second round pick a third round pick you traded for Regula or you know a Slava Demon like maybe these guys good or maybe they're not but I, I don't like it doesn't it's seem like there's a, a definitive around. definitive plan even to the long term and, and, and that's the biggest problem and we've talked about this ad nauseum is there's no way to dramatically reconstruct this roster the yeah. way the contracts are are, are, are are handed out and the no movement clauses and the term that's on these deals this is what the team's going to look like for the most you can buy out a guy he might be able to trade a guy but for the most part this team is coming back relatively intact next year like it or not it's got the, the improvement has to come from within. Right. It's right. got to be Doc and Boquist and Mitchell and Nylander and Stroman to bring it have to get back to the level they were at last yeah. year. I mean, it's got to come from within, or the team is going to be running in place for. A and while. then they also need the other side not to to get old. You know, <laughs> like it's it's lining up those windows, yeah. man. That's always been the trick, and it's looking harder and harder every year. Uh, what else you got there? Uh, let's get one more here. Let, let, all right, let's 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 talk about this because we get almost as many fire Jeremy's as we do fire stands. 
Um, I know Colleton was always Stan's man, but how can management ignore that there are better qualified coaches available right now? Independent of how Jeremy got the job, there are better options available. Obviously, he's talking about uh, Gerard Gallant and Bruce Boudreau and uh, even Mike Babcock. There are some big names. Uh, Peter Laviolette's out there. There are some big names out there, and especially some guys that can actually that coach a defensive style that might you know, help this team out. Um, I don't see it happening. Stan has been uh, effusive in his praise of Jeremy Colleton. Um, I, I, I don't think Colleton's done anything to necessarily get fired. He's done basically what you can do with this roster. Um, if, if a new GM came in, all bets are off because they're going to want their own man. For sure. But I just, I understand the urge to bring in a Bruce Boudreau who has an instant, you know, I think it was uh, Shana Goldstein of uh, 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 the Athletic had, a, had a, a piece on the coaching impact and nobody has the impact that Boudreaux has. He comes in and you become a 100-point team. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You don't do anything in the playoffs, but you do get really good in regular season. I understand that, that inkling, but I also don't know how Bruce Boudreaux plays in a Blackhawks organization. That's A, a little more buttoned down. Bruce Boudreaux is anything but buttoned down. He speaks his mind all the time. I don't know if his style is something that's going to be embraced by these guys, these veteran guys, if they're going to be comfortable with that. Like, There's a lot of extraneous factors you have to factor in, too. I think it's about where the Blackhawks foresee themselves, like next year, right? Like, is this about development? Is this about, uh, like, if there's a long-term plan, do you, you know, like, who, who's the best coach for this situation? Right. You know, like, if it's about developing Boquist and Mitchell and, um, you know, like getting that's the, why they put. That's why they gave Colleton the handle. Right. So I don't know. If, I don't know. If, like I, I. I don't know enough about Bedros. It's certainly not like a Mike Babcock would be a nightmare. In right. For sure. I don't think that's the. You know. <laughs> but I guess it's what they foresee. You know. Like if, if it's a win now situation, I think you'd have to consider that. I think you'd have to consider coaches who are more proven. Um, and, and it's not even so much about Colleton. It's about these guys who have proven track records. And right now, you know, Colleton's. He's, he's getting by, and it's, it just has some ups and downs. But is it, I guess, Stan Bowman, and they all need to sit down and figure out who who's the coach that gets the most out of what you're looking to do with this group. If it's about development and, and getting these guys, because I feel like Colleton's message has also been more about we need these guys to be great again, too. Like, yeah. it's about, you know, we need to we need to keep them in check. we got to be accountable, um, but, we you know, we got to be developing players as we're trying to win. And I feel like the focus has been more and more on that development aspect, and, and certainly when you see, Bo, you know, Boquist and Doc and the roles that they've been given as this year has gone on, that that's been – so I, I think it comes down to what the Blackhawks want to do. Yeah, we, we can talk about – things that Jeremy Colleton should have done differently. It's He admitted freely that it, it, it was a mistake not putting League on the top power yeah. unit earlier when it was just so bad for so long. We could all, we talked during it, that having Nylander on the top line for like three months was ridiculous. Or even having Gilbert not, out there as much as out there. Yeah, like, like, like there have been head-scratching coaching decisions that have put this team in a, in a bad spot. But at the same time, you, 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 the way you phrased it just now, He's put it in an almost untenable spot. Hey, make these great players greater than they've ever been, yeah. but also develop these young guys while winning now at the same time. He's got three different tasks, and I'm not sure what coach can, can do all three of those things. So I think if you're happy with the way that, that, that Doc's progressed, that Boquist has progressed, um, then you, you stick with him because that's the key. Like we say, it, it's got to come from within. And if, he's, if you like his player development skills better than a Boudreau or a Gallant or a, a, a Laviolette, then you stick with what you have right now. Um, bringing in a new guy, then you have that whole transition period all over again. You have no idea what you're going to get. Um, I get it. It's exciting to have a new coach, a more accomplished coach. Uh, there's lots of reasons to do it. I just don't think they're going to. I think the Blackhawks also need to be honest with Kane and Taves and Keith and these guys because you can't be just be 
talking out both sides of your mouth. Like you can't be like, well, yeah, we're gonna talk to them and like we're we're gonna go out and win it. Like we want to win more cups, but then also, you know, we're talking about development. Like it doesn't always happen hand in hand, and especially with the number of young players they've had. Um, and even now, like you, you look at if you you know, Boquist and Mitchell are both in your your defense next year. Like you're still asking a lot, you know and. Uh, even now, like I think Lucas Carlson could f- push for a spot, but again, these guys probably need more time, and um, you know, and and Doc maybe figures it out a little bit more next to Nylander, But there's still a development process where this is not the 2013 team where like you're on paper they're a cup contender, and, right. and maybe this team exceeds expectations next year. But I think you need to be realistic with your veterans too. Like this is how we foresee this season going, um, you know, and. And I think some of it will be in decisions this summer, but I think they need to have a conversation. Like, Carlton's our coach, um, and this is why we believe in him. But it's also that we're probably not going to win the Cup this year unless yeah. things really go right because I think some of those players are uh, – I think Kane and State, Kane and Taves and Keith, all those guys still come into each season thinking we're going to win the Cup and we're pushing for it. And I think if that message changes, I think their their interest in being here really changes too a little bit. It might. It might. I mean that's that's the world we live in. You know, it's not a yeah. I mean, I mean, and if you, I mean, if you have five, six more years of your career, I mean, you, I mean they've got three years each left on their contracts. Yeah, all, all three of those guys. Um, I don't see anything changing between now and then. But the way these next few years go, will decide whether they're lifers or not. Or, or, or they embrace it. Like you know, we're really going to be a development team this year. Can, that, 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 can you help us? And, and that's get the there. advantage of being a, being guys that have won three cups before. Is yeah. You know, you don't have that Joe Thornton need for it that where it's like you're, to validate your career. You can embrace a different kind of role. Yeah. And, and I, Duncan Keith's done that to, the, to his credit. He has really done that. This year. He has stepped up in, in in ways that we haven't seen in recent years, where he's really taken Boquist under his wing. He's been really he's been in Kirby Doc's ear almost as much as Seabrook has, even though Doc. Well, you remember Seabrook. you talked about like he, he, was, he was really happy when Yoki Har was playing. Yeah, like, he, he was all excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Like he's really embraced that part of his career. Like he he is very much a win now guy. Yeah. But he also understands that he has value beyond just. Yeah, I think he sees the big picture yeah. too, and he's, and he's, I think, he's become I, more vocal this year. I think Kane and Taves could embrace that too for a yeah. short period, as long as you're a little bit That's more. That's what has to happen. Yeah, like it has That's to. You have to have the conversation to be like, you know, this is what we foresee. We're, you know, doxing get better. Boquist is going to get better. Um, we're going to add some prospects and picks, but it, it may take a year or so. And yeah. this is our sort of our thinking, even at goalie. Like I think you, I think those two especially, and and, and maybe even Keith and Seabrook, just, just you need. Yeah, there has to be some open dialogue about where where they're at because I think you need those guys on board because every time that even Kane or Taves says anything now, like when, when Taves said something about the seven defensemen, like right. they, they become headlines. Like yeah. they rarely talk out of out of turn. And so I think, you know, even what Kane said at the trade deadline, like it becomes a story. So like you need those guys to really embrace what you're doing because otherwise that will become more common. And I think those guys have more power than anyone in the organization. Like if Kane yeah. and Taves wanted anyone fired, I think – I think that they could, you know, like it's they don't speak up often, but they should have the same power LeBron or anyone else has in a major sport. It's not the NHL way, but maybe it should be. Yeah, and they they know what they're doing. They're not they're they're and there is and Kane especially is as in tune with the rest of the league as anybody. He would, he he, he his input wouldn't just be him talking out, out of his ass. Like yeah. he actually knows what he's talking about. For sure. So we have no idea what the Blackhawks' plan is, but our plan going forward <laughs> is pretty good. We got lots of good stuff for the last five weeks of the season and. Probably not beyond, but we'll see what happens in April. Um, anything you want to pimp right now? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Read The Athletic. This good story's coming. We promise. You just don't want to give them away right now. Um, so, yeah, until next time, I'm Mark Lazarus. I'm Scott Powers. See ya. See ya. Won't you let me try?
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.